Welcome everyone to Delighting in the Psalms. Our hope is to provide you with some reflections and responses in order to deepen your delight in God's word. We are tracking with the Psalms in April according to the day of the week and sharing our own thoughts every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Our goal is not to be a replacement for your personal time in the word, but to help you in your walk with the Lord. Today will be in Psalm 24, since it's April 24th. And I am joined by my husband, Keith Evans, and Josh Herring. And fun fact, Josh was a freshman in uh, the first year I officially started working for Disciple Makers at LVC, and he's been just a key part of our, our ministry there. And he is a senior now, and we just couldn't let him go without putting him to work a little bit more. Welcome, Josh. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you're welcome. So without any further ado, let's dive into Psalm 24. A Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has a clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your head, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So what sticks out to you guys? What do you notice? Yeah, it seems like... Uh more just the tone in general is uh it's brighter uh, more joyful than some of the the psalms we've been studying recently um just seems like there is a uh a positivity i guess to to a lot of what david's saying here what thought yeah i also saw that too keith with it just seems like there's a lot of descriptors that are coming from the lord and talking about the lord um he will receive blessing from the Lord, verse 5 says, and righteousness from God. And then later on in verse 8, it talks about the Lord being strong and mighty um, in battle and lifting your heads to him. Yeah, I noticed even reading it uh, 7 through 10, uh, there's almost like a chorus, like there's who is the Lord, the King of glory, who is the Lord, the King of glory, almost like a, like a call and response or no, who is the king of glory? It is the Lord. Sorry, I had that backwards. Yeah, it seems like seven and nine are kind of paired up because they are, I think, exactly the same. And then eight and ten are very, very similar. Hmm. Yeah, another thing I noticed just at the beginning, um, some of those words, just talking about like the authority of the Lord, uh, just the earth and the world are um, the Lord's thereof and therein. So like it's in completion, in wholeness. Um, he's founded it, established it. So kind of just like getting the picture of the creation story there a little bit, which I think is, is pretty neat. 
Yeah, along with that, um, not only did he create it, but he also still owns it and, and all of it. You know, the earth is the Lord's, uh, like possessive, the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Um, so there's just this idea of like the Lord owning everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with that, I would say in verses three, four, five, and a little bit in six, um, I would say it gets a little more active, like on the on the behalf of the people. So it seems like one and two, the main subject is the Lord. Three, four, five, and six, it seems to be talking more about the Lord's people um, and specifically kind of what they're doing. You see a lot of verbs. Uh, who shall ascend? Who shall stand? He who has clean hands, um, who does not lift up his soul, does not swear. Um, and then there's the idea that he will receive blessing. And then verse six, uh, those who seek him. Uh, so just, it seems like there's a, a little bit of a shift in, in subject and who's doing the, uh, you know, the, the actions from like the Lord created and the people are kind of responding, I guess, in this way. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you're pointing out there's, there's a lot of active words, but even there's some, some give and take of who's acting. I noticed those sections too, one and two, three through six and seven through 10, but I, I noted them a little bit differently. Um, that one and two starts with the earth, the earth is God. And then three through six is who can go up to God, you know, the, the hill of the Lord, who can go where God is. Um, and then seven through 10 is actually God coming down to earth, that God is, is the king of glory is coming to the city. So I noticed that there's even a give and take of, of the earth, kind of the, the, the heavens, the hill of the Lord, the place where God is, and, the, and then the earth again. Yeah, I like uh, in that middle section with verses three to six, um, with which you both were just mentioning how it's almost as if uh, the questions being asked are, like rhetorical in a sense, but then it seems that they're answered with promises in verses four through six, um, that like the person, he who has clean hands and a pure heart um, does not lift up his soul to, to falsehood will receive that blessing and righteousness. Um, I just like the certainty in, in the promise of, of, those, of those words. Yeah, it's very definitive, but it's also very steep. That, that no one can go into God's presence unless they have clean hands, a pure heart, do not lift up to anything that's false and doesn't swear deceitfully. Like those are very definitive language. There's no exception. That's a high standard. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the, the gospel is not works-based, but it does seem here, and at least in this passage, that he's mentioning the idea of those who will receive the blessing and righteousness and salvation are those who seek the Lord. So I'm just trying to wrap my mind around how he's using that idea. I'm not entirely sure yet. I think he's pointing to somebody outside of himself. I think, you know, starting with God owns, every, God owns everything, um, but God is holy. And so only the holy can be in God's presence. And so, you know, you read that and, you know, David, David can't say that he has clean hands. Like, you know, David has murdered people. You know, I don't know if he's done it yet in this, in this portion of his life, but 
but David actually can't fill this and we certainly can't fill this. So I, I wonder if that is the connection to the end, the king of glory coming, coming to the earth that David, David is the king, but even he can't use his power and authority to get people into heaven. So actually the king has to come to the earth. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, I just think of one of the things you guys mentioned about um, almost having this holiness in, in coming before the Lord. Um, I just think back of like to the Old Testament when uh, the priests were the mediators of uh, the forgiveness um, and sanctification of, of people's sins. And only through Christ coming to the earth in glory, um, you know, is the veil torn in order that we can come to him. And because righteousness has been deposited into our account um, through his grace, through his, through his death and resurrection, is the really only subsequent, subsequent way we can, we can receive that blessing and righteousness through that, through, the, through his death. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we're definitely going to come back to that. Um, so we've talked about all the things that, that the person has to do who can ascend to the Lord, all those requirements. Let's talk about the, the king of glory. How, what are all the descriptors we get of the Lord in this passage? Yeah, so verse 8, uh, the Lord strong and mighty, mighty in battle. Uh, the Lord of hosts, the, the king of glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just get this picture of... Uh, this like mighty, glorious warrior king um, who has, you know, defeated all and um, is victorious. It's a, a pretty uh, epic image, I guess you could say. Yeah. I think through the blessing and righteousness of his salvation that he gives in verse 5, um, because it is received that means the the lord can give it so therefore the lord has it yeah yeah i love verse 10 the lord of hosts so god has all sorts of different names in the bible um and two of my favorite and i think they are my two favorite because they're so different uh one is the god who sees uh given to him by a really vulnerable woman who doesn't have a lot of power or a lot of authority and yet god sees her Uh, And the other one is actually the Lord of hosts. Um, Hosts, it means the angelic armies. So this idea of like all the thousands upon thousands of angelic beings that the Lord has uh, at his command that he is the king over. Uh, And I love, I just love that image. You know, we often uh, focus on Jesus, the meek, the one who meets with us, the one who walks with us. And all of those things are true. But I think, I think we do even forget God is also the God of hosts. Like he has the supreme power of heaven at his disposal like he is the most glorious king far more he can command far more than any you know i don't know if anybody watched you know avengers uh uh, endgame where you know all those orange circles open up and all these warriors will start pouring forth you know it's a really epic glorious moment uh but the king of glory commands far far more uh and that's at his disposal yeah i was uh I think that is a really cool image. I was going back and thinking a little bit more about like verses three through six and that, you know, this 
there's this tremendously high standard of, I guess, perfection, one might say, just clean hands, pure heart. Um, I wonder if, in a way, he's actually talking about Christ there. Um, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? I just picture Christ going up to Calvary, um, that he stood in our place, in a way. Uh, it was only he who had clean hands and a pure heart. Uh, he did not lift up his soul to what is false. He did not, you know, say a, a lie, did not swear deceitfully. And yet, uh, he did not receive the Lord's blessing like we did instead. Um, though he was righteous, um, we received salvation instead. So that those in this generation who seek him would receive salvation. Because mm -hmm. uh, I was just thinking about that. I don't think David's necessarily like, encouraging us to do these things i think even though david would have been way before christ he was almost imagining the one who would perhaps well i don't think he's telling us not to do these things you know david did sin but he also did pursue righteousness but i think there's even an acknowledgement in his shift to talking about the king of glory coming to the city he doesn't know exactly what Messiah is going to look like yet. He doesn't know about Jesus, but he does know that something outside of himself is going to have to bring redemption because he can pursue righteousness. Um, and that's good. And that the Lord is pleased by that, but he can, he's not going to ever reach that perfection that will get him to the hill of the Lord. You know, nothing he does will grant him access to the Holy God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Um, I think it's interesting and, and pretty pretty cool that in verse six, uh, it says, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So just like generationally, generationally speaking, uh, thinking about like the covenants that the Lord has made from the beginning of time, um, like the covenant of just creation with Adam, all the way down through uh, redemption with Adam, through Noah, through Abraham, Moses, David. And I think it's just, uh, those are just means of wow like this this actually does matter like for us too um like the generation are, are god's people that he is welcoming in uh, regardless of their background yeah if you guys had to to kind of put a main idea to this psalm kind of tying together those the three sections of kind of earth how do we get to the hill of the Lord, God coming down? What would you say is the main idea? I think of, in seeing those three sections, you think of uh, just like the control, the authority, the majesty in, in the first two verses as the Lord being the creator. Um, I see the middle couple verses or three or four verses there as um, the promise and like what comes and then the last four verses seven through ten of just like create like looking to that authority looking to the the, the majesty of the creator um so not that i have something succinct but something in the realm of like the lord is is above all he is the ruler of all the controller of all he promises us um salvation you know through his son and then the end just like praise him for that give glory to him for that perhaps 
Yeah, that's good. There's there's a few different ideas in here. I'm trying to figure out like what's the the thread that holds them all together. It seems like the Lord is is powerful and glorious, you know, both in his creation and his coming. Uh, but he also is not so far off that he is unreachable. Like he rewards those who seek him. He brings salvation to his people. Um, so I wonder if he's in some ways trying to balance, you know, the fact that the Lord is great, glorious, victorious. Um, and yet he is, he is close to, to those who seek him. Um, that salvation is made possible for his people through him. Yeah, I, I think maybe how I would try to say it, say it simply is um, the Lord owns the earth and he is glorious and he will intervene and um, allow into his presence in the way that he sees fit to do. You know, that, that, that everything belongs to God. And so... And he is holy, so there must be holiness in his presence. But also, there's this foreshadowing of the Messiah that that God will come to to earth somehow. That God will come and dwell with man, um, because man cannot, on our own, go and dwell with God. Um, if you guys had to think about how this applies, how would how does this apply to you guys personally, even to the season that we're in right now? One thought is that this should in theory at least, uh, produce a, a response of, of joy and, and gladness in us. Just again, looking at kind of the, the tone, the the mood of this passage, if you will, especially kind of how he ends on a, on a really high note, just lots of exclamation points. Um, yeah, he just seems to be expressing the, the, the confidence, the hope that he has in this, this coming glorious king. And so <clears throat> I'm just kind of measuring myself against this. I, I think it is often easy and also dangerous for uh, the, the gospel, the story of creation, uh, Jesus to, to start to become stale, commonplace, old news. Um, and I'm not saying that we need to have, you know, this uh, huge party and, and go crazy every time that we we start study and, and hear about the gospel, but I do think that it should stir up in us um, hope, courage, and it is a it is a reason to rejoice. You know, we do have the hope of this coming glorious King. Um, we have something to look forward to, which I think, especially during like our current circumstances, is is maybe even all the more meaningful, all the more meaning to to have hope, to rejoice, knowing that the Lord still owns the earth he's still in control of all things and he's still coming uh and i think that can be especially helpful during times like this yeah yeah i think that's really helpful keith um i know i appreciate that i think i see like i think it's it's pretty easy to for me personally to um just say you know, the sovereignty of God has, has known about this uh, coronavirus, has known about this pandemic from the beginning. He's ordained it from the beginning. Um, it's easy for me to just to like say that, but not actually like investigate if I truly am believing that. And if, if it were the case where I, where I was actually investigating that, actually trusting that, um, I almost see uh, 
this song as yeah just like a, a motivational or um ex, ex, exhortation of like even in his words like lift up your head um i think it's cool just talking about the psalms that we've been going through in this series so far um, many are um, lamenting and that's like a super um, intimate form of worship and in the same way i see that rejoicing in the um, the grace rejoicing in the authority of the lord is in the same way a very intimate way of worship um and doing that right now is, is super is super vital as well yeah yeah i think uh two two quick applications one of them is a bit random but i think maybe it's because it was earth day this week um that that the lord owns the earth and so respect it you don't get to do what you want to it um but then also that worship the creator and not creation i think because it was earth day i I follow a bunch of national parks on my on my instagram and they posted all these gorgeous uh pictures which i really appreciate because i'm stuck at home so it was really nice to see all the gorgeous pictures of god's creation but not to stop there and worship creation, but to, to really think about the God who has made it all and the God who has not just made beautiful creation, but the God who is holiest of holy, who condescended to take on flesh, to walk among humans, to um, bear our burdens, to live among us, and ultimately to die for us, trade places with us, and deliver us. Like That is far more glorious than any picture of the Grand Canyon I could find. Um, so to, to really dwell on that and to think about God as the, as the king of glory and, and to really keep him in that high, high place um, is, I think, helpful and important. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for, for joining us today. I, I really enjoyed getting to dig into the word with you guys. Uh, And remember, if you are listening and you're in need of a simple Bible reading plan this month, go ahead and and spend some time on your own tomorrow in Psalm 25. That'll be Saturday and Psalm 26 on Sunday. And then we will be back on Monday with Psalm 27. And we will be wrapping it up next week because we've been just uh, tracing the Psalms through the month of April. So I hope you're able to to read over the weekend. Join us next week. Um, And we are glad that you listened with us today. Thank you very much. Bye.